you're listening to the third part of my offshore pregnancy journey, and it's a diary. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go back to at least the second episode, so the last episode of this series, because this episode might be a little confusing to you. So yeah, start there, start at part two, or even go back to part one and listen up until this episode and then give this episode a listen. So if you've been with me the last couple episodes, you know that I was recording my journey into motherhood with this offshore career. And so I would get back from my hitch and pull out my microphone and give an update of how the hitch went. In this episode, you're going to, of course, hear how another hitch went. And there's something I want to explain a little bit further before you listen, and that is the law around pregnancy. So women are protected under the Pregnancy Discrimination Act. It says that businesses with at least 15 employees must treat women who are pregnant in the same manner as other job applicants or employees with similar abilities or limitations. As long as a pregnant woman is able to perform the major functions of her job, not hiring or firing her because she is pregnant is against the law. It's against the law to dock her pay or demote her to a lesser position because of her pregnancy. It's also against the law to hold back benefits for pregnancy because a woman is not married. All are forms of pregnancy discrimination and are illegal. In this episode, you're going to hear about some of the concerns with me going offshore as an expecting mother, even in my first trimester when I wasn't showing and I didn't have any restrictions. I'm not here to name names. These weren't even people on my vessel, but they did have an impact on me. And it occurred to me, and I already knew this from talking to other women who've been pregnant in the industry, especially those who've hidden their pregnancies from their employers, how important it is to understand that discrimination against pregnant women exists and it's against the law. And we need companies to understand this and have clear policies on how to support pregnant women and what the company's stance is on supporting women to plan their families, work while they're pregnant, and what it would look like as well when they come back to work. Because some women do want to go to sea after they give birth. Adverse treatment of pregnant women often arises from stereotypes and assumptions about job capabilities and commitments to the job. In my experience, you'll hear it's done from a position of wanting to support and help the pregnant woman, viewing that she's not safe and her baby's not safe offshore. But if you listened to my last episode, you'll know that I risked assessed. You know that I did a lot of work with my doctor on what my experience would be like offshore and supported me working during my first trimester and longer. And that my goal of being out there till 24 weeks was perfectly acceptable. Even the Supreme Court explained this. 
We are beyond the day when an employer could evaluate employees by assuming or insisting that they match the stereotype associated with their group. Such decisions are unlawful even when an employer relies on stereotypes unconsciously or with a belief that is acting in the employee's best interest. So if the company's not going to do this, they can't do it because of the law. Our colleagues shouldn't be taking this stance either. And it's important that we spread the word about the law, that pregnancy discrimination does exist, and that as women, if we feel comfortable and our doctors have signed off on it and we have no restrictions, then we are able to work offshore. It's not going to work in every type of offshore environments because if you are gone from land for a long period of time, if you are unable to get to land in a decent amount of time to get to the hospital, you probably won't feel comfortable being out at sea and pregnant. And your doctor will probably be very concerned about what kind of medical treatment you might have access to. So again, it comes down to you, the pregnant woman, and your doctor. I don't want to give too much more away about what happens in this episode, but I wanted to clear this up. I will drop links to a few resources for you, such as the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission website to learn more about rights during pregnancy and what to do if you think your rights have been violated in the United States. And I will also drop a link to the Pregnancy Discrimination Act for you to read up on it. So I'm going to go ahead and play the intro followed by the episode I recorded in late January. I was 12 weeks pregnant and I hope it will be valuable to you. Please reach out if you have any questions. You can always send an email to hello at womenoffshore.org. Thanks for listening. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Hello, everyone. This is another episode of my Pregnancy Offshore Diary that I'm recording for the Women Offshore podcast. I got back from my hitch a few days ago. It is now late January, and I just can't believe that I am pregnant working offshore. This was not part of my plan, and it is still quite shocking I'm now a little over 12 weeks pregnant, and overall, I've been feeling pretty good. This hitch wasn't as bad as the last one, where I was so tired all the time. I didn't experience that as much this hitch. I was still tired, just not as tired. What I experienced this time, though, was just, oh, I'm so hungry all the time. Like, I know a new meeting for the word insatiable. Like, I just wanted to eat every (laughs) opportunity that I could. And when I wasn't eating, I was thinking about when I would eat next and what I would eat. I brought out a bunch of granola bars with me and it wasn't enough and I had to start rationing my 
my granola bars so that I wouldn't run out. But what it looks like is I would get up, I would eat. <laughs> like I was motivated to get out of bed to go eat. And then, you know, I'd have a snack in my cabin and then I would go to the mess and I would eat a plate of food. From there, I would go to my pre-tower, which is this meeting that we do on board before we start our tower, which some people call watch or a shift. We call it a tower. And then like two hours later, I'd be hungry again and I would eat a granola bar. So that would be like 8 p.m. at night because I was working night shift for most of this hitch. And then around nine o'clock, we'd have what we call break tray. So I am primarily a vegetarian. I've been mostly a vegetarian for the last year and a half. So I would eat the break tray and pull out the meat, but there were a few times where I just ate it because I was so hungry. I couldn't like stand it. And then at midnight would roll around and or not even like 10 o'clock, I would go have a meal. And as you can tell, I just had to eat every two hours and I don't need to go into all of it. And I'm really surprised that no one said anything. I put on a few pounds. I don't think it's too noticeable. At least I hope it's not. Yeah, it it was kind of hard to manage when I started running out of food on my second week on board. But I made it. I made it. So that was okay. Something else I was uh, concerned about was how much we were moving. So the vessel was moving around a lot. And we had some nights where... I, I didn't feel good, right? I, I got seasick and I knew it was just like the vegetable motion. It wasn't too bad until one day when I went to go eat and I think I ate too quickly and ate too much and the vessel was moving and I just felt so sick. I was going to throw up and I needed to lie down. It just everything seemed like too much in that moment. And it's partly self-inflicted due to how quickly and how much I ate. But at the same time, the vessel was moving. So I went to the medic and knocked on his door and told him, like, I'm not feeling good. Something to remember is pregnancy is a health condition under the law. So your employer is obligated to make accommodations for you. And of course, if someone's sick, they should be seen. But quite quickly, he said to me, you know, hey, just go lie down and Normally, I wouldn't, right? Like, I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to show up for my tower every single day or every single night, whatever time I'm working. I don't go to the medic usually. Like, it's on very rare occasions that I do. But I just knew I had to. And so I went and I laid down and I needed that. And it, it helped a lot. And a couple hours later, I was feeling better. So those were a couple of the experiences I had working offshore this time. Something else I wanted to touch on at this episode was telling people, like telling people about my pregnancy, because it's not something I really feel comfortable with. People I have told in the industry are very opinionated and concerned about me going offshore, and they come from a place of wanting to make sure that I'm safe. But that's not their job. That's my job and my doctor's job. We need to make sure as an industry Kind of like what I said before, we're not discriminating against pregnant women. 
directly or indirectly, intentionally or unintentionally. It's so important that you treat them with respect and understanding that they're doing what's best for them and their babies. It's hard for people to understand this, and I get that. They think of this baby inside me as a life, not a health condition. But under the law, it is a health condition, and it needs to be treated that way so we don't make them jump through extra hoops and make their lives more difficult and push them out of the industry. So I did tell my supervisor. He's the drilling superintendent on board. I went to him as soon as I got on board, and I told him my situation, that I was pregnant, and I thought he should know because I wanted him to know as my mentor and friend. And, you know, if there's any sort of situation where I do need some accommodations, it's going to be a lot easier to ask for it if he knows. I told him, and he was so great about it. His response was, you know, congratulations. Nothing has changed. You are going to be treated like I've treated you before. And that is, you know, go out and do the work as long as you know that you can. And, Let me know if you need anything. But other than that, I'm going to assume that everything's okay. I might check in on you, but I'm going to assume that you're good and just know that my door is always open if you need something. And how great was that? I wasn't treated differently. I wasn't treated like I shouldn't be out there. It ended up working out where I was needed because We didn't have some people come back for COVID-related issues. And so I was there. I got to work hard and take on some more responsibility. I just felt so fulfilled at my job. I was eager to learn and excited to go to work each day. I think that's a really good example of how to treat a pregnant woman in the workplace. And I appreciate him for taking that approach with me. So thank you, Neil, if you're listening at all. Thank you for being such a great mentor for me and an advocate and always being in my corner. Now, I didn't tell the rest of my crew because I wasn't confident that they would really be able to handle this news or would feel comfortable. I also don't want to stress them out. And I did tell my drilling superintendent that I felt that way. And we agreed that as long as I have no restrictions, as long as everything is normal, no one else needs to know. Or once I do need some accommodations or I'm really showing and have put on, a lot, say, a lot more weight, hopefully it doesn't reach that point. Hopefully this feeling of needing to eat all the time goes away soon because I'm pretty sure it's just related to hormones. But once we get to that point, then, then I'll tell people. For now, I'm going to keep it to myself. And I have a doctor's appointment coming up in the next couple of days. Get to see the ultrasound and see how the baby's doing. I'm also going to go through several tests. I think I shared with you in the past that my fiance, he has a history in his family of a chromosome abnormality called trisomy 18. And I found out through the IVF process that I had low egg reserve. And while that doesn't mean the quality of eggs is low, you just, you never know. And we went through three rounds of IVF. Unfortunately, most of our embryos that we tried to make had serious chromosome issues and multiple chromosome abnormalities, not just trisomy 18. So we're going to go through a lot of tests. And I want to update you on that because I think it's important. And I don't 
I don't want to hide my story. I want women who want to have a family and are going through some of these same scenarios to know that there's someone in their corner. And for anyone considering family and having an offshore career, I want you to also understand the reality of some of this. And that is, if you choose to do tests, you're going to have to do them during certain weeks of your pregnancy. Sometimes there's a large window where you can get things tested, say from week like 10 to 13. But you need to be on land for it. And that can kind of disrupt your offshore career. So as I learn things, I'm going to share them and continue to put them in this podcast diary. I don't imagine the series is going to be all that long, just a few episodes. But here we are on the second episode, and I was able to update you on what it was like to be offshore and pregnant, you know, for another hitch, and I will continue to update you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to my offshore pregnancy journey and uh, hearing about my hunger issues. But yeah, I will check in with you soon when I have another update. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. What did you think of the show? Leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Additionally, if you want to propel Women Offshore forward, please visit womenoffshore.org or womenoffshore.shop. Make a donation or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.